Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, September 25th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Hockey. Grace, in the podcast feed over the weekend, over on Patreon, we had our conversation with Kate Ryan King um, that we did late last week. Really great conversation about just what it's like to come to New York City to see theater when you are not somebody who lives in the general tri-state area. Obviously, Kate does it far more than any sane human should. I think they said they've been to New York 15 times already this year, even though they live in Colorado for trips. But even if you don't come to New York as often as Kate does, or even as often as I do, I think there are some great conversations in there about how to get tickets, about how to arrange flights, or about how to find the right hotels, uh, all those kind of things. And then obviously... You and Kate talked uh, a little bit more in depth about what it's like to be a theater influencer and how that kind of changes your perception about things and what Kate does so well in that space. So I hope everyone listens. I did have some audio issues in there. That is when I kind of figured out what was going wrong with the audio. So you'll hear about two thirds in my audio goes from bad or not bad, but not good to normal. Like I'm hopefully you are hearing now. Um, so hopefully that won't be an issue moving forward, but uh, a great conversation. I was glad grace that you were able to jump in, which was kind of a spur of the moment, middle of the interview thing. So like me to just invite myself to the conversation. Um, thank you all for having me. (laughs) You were invited. It was happening like when you were finishing work, so you weren't sure if you were going to get in, but, uh, but it was great to have you obviously you two uh, share so much in common and and we're all friends and stuff. So it was nice to have you. If you want to hear that, head over to patreon.com slash Broadway radio, Broadway radio.com slash Patreon. And that is in the, uh, the $10 tier and up. All right, great. So let's get into the news. And the first story that we have to talk about is, is a pretty big one. And it might be one that folks don't necessarily know a ton about, But similar to Carol Rothman stepping down from her position at second stage earlier in the week, on Friday, Andre Bishop announced that he would be stepping away as the artistic director of Lincoln Center Theater following the 2024-2025 season. The reason that he's announcing now and waiting until 2025 is because that will be the 40th anniversary season for Lincoln Center Theater, and Andre Bishop has been the artistic director that entire time. He has also been most recently the producing artistic director for the last few years. Andre put out a statement through Lincoln Center Theater's Instagram account that said, quote, my years at Lincoln Center Theater have been happy ones, and I will miss working with all my friends and colleagues, but the time has come, as it inevitably does, for the next generation to step in and step up. I look forward to that. LCT has always been a welcoming home for artists, and I know that tradition will continue. I thank the board for their continued support, and I look forward to collaborating on a seamless tradition. The Lincoln Center Theater Board of Directors did say that it will start looking for a successor in due course to make sure that there's a seamless uh, transition from Bishop to whomever takes over from there. Some of the shows that have come to the stage under Bishop's direction at Lincoln Center Theater include Oslo, In the Next Room or the Vibrator Play, A Free Man of Color, Hello Again, uh, Other Desert Cities, Contact, Parade, A Man of No Importance, Pipeline. Then there's all those incredible reviews of like Falsettos, The King and I, South Pacific, uh, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, um, The Skin of Our Teeth. So many great shows. And I think it's also important, Grace, to realize that not only was Lincoln Center doing these great big shows, but Bishop was also responsible for the addition of the Claire Tao Theater on top of the Beaumont, 
Also, uh, uh, the person that led the LCT3 program, which offers new works and younger generation artists and lower cost tickets. He was also instrumental in starting the uh, Open Stages education program through Lincoln Center Theater. So I love going to Lincoln Center. Obviously, all the stuff to Claire Tao, I think, is is brilliant and, and really, really fun. So I think that's a great addition to the New York theater space, in addition to all the great big budget stuff that happens at the Vivian Beaumont. Um, so I wish Andre well. I'm excited to see who they bring in to take over as the next artistic director, Grace. But between this and second stage getting a new artistic director, I'm really excited about what this could mean for the next generation of not-for-profit theater in New York, but especially on Broadway as well. It's always this interesting thing where I I agree with you, first of all, but also like, does that mean that it will be someone who's already in that space that will just rise up and we keep it the same and, you know, the, the people are of the same backgrounds and demographics, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm curious, but also like what, what a career and um, yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'm on pause. I'm listening. Yeah, I think they've done such a great job over the years of bringing in some really interesting artists to do shows at Lincoln Center Theater, both in the big spaces and the small spaces, that I hope that they will look outside of the current infrastructure. Obviously, there has to be somebody who has a lot of experience running a large organization like this, so it's not like you can just pull in somebody to run uh, you know, a big theater like, uh, like Lincoln Center Theater that doesn't have experience in the administrative space, but... I also hope that it's not somebody who will just continue to do the exact same things because as great as it was, you want to have some variation. I, I'm going to throw out a name who has been a guest here on Broadway Radio before that, as far as I know, does not have a permanent full-time position. But Nataki Garrett, who ran the Oregon Shakespeare Festival and did some really great work out there, if she wants to come back to New York City. I think she would be a great addition to everything that they do on every level. All right, Grace, there's some news that I'm a little surprised about, really excited about, but I also think that it's something that we can dig into a little bit. But last week, Deadline reported exclusively that the Mean Girls musical movie adaptation that was originally planned to be hitting Paramount Plus is now going to get a theatrical release in January. It's going to come to theaters over the Martin Luther King four-day holiday. This is only the second time that Paramount Studios has done this for a film that was originally planned for Paramount Plus, which is the streaming service. They did it in the fall of 2022 with a movie called Smile, which was uh, kind of like a horror thriller. It had a $17 million budget and ended up uh, having a box office receipts of $217.4 million. Obviously, I think it's pretty clear that this is something to do with the fact that Everybody is on strike still, and there is probably not a ton of you know content that's going to be able to be pushed into movie theaters. But I'm also just excited about it because I, I think this also shows that when they looked at the scope of what they had available, that they had to feel pretty good about the Mean Girls movie musical. And that's great because I love Mean Girls as as a musical, but I'm also really excited about what it means for the stars of this film, uh, hopefully by then. All of the strikes will be over, hopefully, even by, maybe by the time you hear this, the WGA strike will be over. But between Anjanae Rice, Renee Rapp, your friend Ali Carvalho, Jaquel Spivey, um, all of those other stars, Tina Fey, Tim Meadows, Jenna Fisher, Busy Phillips, uh, even Ashley Park, Connor Ratliff, John Hamm, all of those folks that are in it. But like those young stars, like that's a huge opportunity to go from a film that was just supposed to be streaming only 
to now have it in a major holiday big screen release. So I, I'm excited about that and, and hope that this means really great things for this film. I kind of exclaimed the other night when I saw this because I was like, oh, thank <laughs> goodness. Like letting everybody hopefully get their due. Um, yeah, these these movie musicals don't need to absolutely flop, um, especially that one, which has so much star power. So I'm intrigued. Also, it probably helps with Renee Rapp's uh, very busy music career right now. Yes. <laughs> She's like, if you aren't paying attention to this, like she's blown up into like a legitimate pop star, which is awesome for her. It it annoys me a little bit because that means she's probably not going to be doing as much acting and or theater in, in the future because she's so busy. Um, but I, that's a very good thing for her in terms of promoting this film, but also just her career. I do. I am interested, Grace, and I, I don't know that we'll ever get this information. Obviously, this was a film that when everybody was signed to it, they were expecting it to go to Paramount+. Plus. I do wonder how their contracts change now that it's being released. I assume that there were some sort of conditions in there that if it gets some sort of big screen release that they get X amount of money, or maybe there's some sort of standard uh, SAG contract that this rolls over into. But given all of these changes, this isn't the first time this has happened for um, for for movies like this, as I mentioned, Smile, but even during the strike. But uh, I hope that they are compensated properly for that and they are taken care of because that's a huge release to get it on the Martin Luther King holiday weekend. And uh, I'm just happy for everybody involved because it's such a such a cool group. All right. This is a story, Grace, that I guess happened last Wednesday and somehow it fell through the cracks and I did not see it. But I wanted to make sure that we talked about it here because I think this is a big deal, especially given what we talked about with Kate, how people get their theater tickets. But last week, Forbes reported that the Nederlander organization will be moving away from Ticketmaster as the ticketing platform for the theaters that they own. The group is going to be setting up its own ticketing agency and platform, much like the Schubert's did with Telecharge. And let's not forget that uh, Ju Jamson left Ticketmaster as well. They did not start their own ticketing agency, but they went with SeatGeek after the pandemic in 2021. And uh, Roundabout is with Criterion. So, Oh, are they really? Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So this is going to be a big change. There is no timetable that the Forbes article put out for this, but apparently back in August of 2022, something that really nobody kind of noticed, Niederlander bought a ticketing company called TixTrack, T-I-X-T-R-A-C-K, with the two T's being capitalized. Obviously, that was something that was part of this plan to eventually move away from Ticketmaster. The platform already is working with Niederlander, Cirque du Soleil. Um, ATG Tickets, which is the Ambassador Theater Group ticketing platform that they use over in the UK for all of the theaters there. Interesting now that they are partnered or, or combined or whatever with Jude Jamson. We'll see what that means moving forward. Um, also Blue Man Group and, and other things as well. So uh, I'll be interested to see what this means going forward for that platform. But as much as I still look at Telecharge and SeatGeek and all these other places, and they have all of those fees as well. I'm kind of not mad about Ticketmaster <laughs> not being in the Broadway space anymore. They will still be they still control the tickets for the new Amsterdam, which is owned by Disney. But that will be the only theater that they are involved in once the Nederlanders move to their own platform. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that all of these different theatrical groups like, yeah, I was just looking. Criterion started in 2022 uh, for Roundabout and, and uh, with the help of Bloomberg. Um, I think it's really interesting that like. All of these companies are saying, 
buy um, and that they can more so. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. that everybody would like to like differentiate themselves, but the fact that they have the abilities to to go forth and conquer with other companies and platforms. But I will say that the the only kind of like headache this kind of provides is when these are kind of more, uh, these are smaller platforms, the uh, the ability to do the big things that Ticketmaster can do, um, like, you know, uh, those kickback emails and and collection and data and all that stuff looks very different. So it's, it's a learning process on the other end, um, but it's definitely obviously worth it for these people. So I'm, I'm really intrigued on how this is going to shake out for the community at large, because there's only like four companies that own all the theaters. So is everyone going to start to work together on one? It seems like no. Um, Everyone has their own ticketing platform and just like, does this work? So interesting. Yeah. Obviously, I think what they do is is they see the fact that they make a ton of money off of those fees and all of that stuff that, so they wanted their piece. They wanted a larger piece of that pie. So I understand why they want to start their own, but man, I think the dream of having one centralized ticketing platform for all of Broadway, for all of New York City theater, whatever, is is probably impossible. But man, that would just be so easy to be able to legitimately look across every Broadway house, every off-Broadway house and see, okay, one, know what the what the fees are or whatever, but like to maybe like compare schedules and to compare prices and and all of those things and, and maybe even do exchanges between shows like that would just be so beautiful. I don't know that that's ever going to happen because of, all of the things that you just mentioned, Grayson, about all of the, the business considerations that go into it. But it'd be nice. It's a dream. And uh, hopefully all the theater owners can get together like the five families in the mafia or something and like come to some understanding <laughs> that would be better for everybody if they had some sort of ticketing piece between them. But we will have to wait and see. All right, let's move on to this week's Broadway and theatrical schedule. Um, It's getting a little busy. There's some interesting stuff happening this week. We will start on Wednesday, September 27th, with the Broadway opening of Pearly Victorious, a non-Confederate romp through the Cotton Patch. It will open at the Music Box Theater. As of now, they don't have official closing dates, although they do have a ticket on sale date, but it is not announced when it's going to close. I believe this is going to be scheduled to be a a limited run still, but they have not announced that date, at least not according to uh, the Broadway League. But either way, this is a play written by Ozzie Davis. Originally, this production is directed by Kenny Leon. It stars Leslie Odom Jr., Kara Young, Billy Eugene Jones, Noah Robbins, J.O. Sanders, and others. I have heard nothing but incredible things from everybody who has seen this show, and that makes me really happy. One, for all of those people that are involved, I also am a longtime lover of Ozzy Davis, so excited to hear the reviews for this on Wednesday night. We'll have a uh, a review recap episode, assuming they come out at a reasonable time for this old man, but very excited about this, and obviously, Grace, everybody here at Broadway Radio's love for Carrie Young is well known at this point. Yeah, I don't have to harp on that. Um, Obviously, I'm really excited. Still haven't seen it, Um, but I've been working. I've been aware of it for like two years. And Mm -hmm. so I was really looking forward to it. And hopefully I'll get to see it this week. Um, But I'm just so I'm just so thrilled for the entire production and Kara. And um, anytime there's a Kenny Leon show on Broadway, I'm happy. My heart is happy. So, um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I've got my lavender pulled out. (laughs) 
for this Very specific nice. purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then on Thursday, September 28th, we have another Broadway opening. This one happens at the Circle in the Square Theater. And it is the special show. This is not categorized as either a play or a musical. It goes into the specials category. That is Melissa Etheridge, My Window. This one is currently scheduled to run through November 19th. I would not be surprised if this one, if it is selling well, does some extensions further into the holiday season. It was written by Melissa Etheridge and her wife, Linda Wallum Etheridge, directed by Amy Tinkham. And it is essentially Melissa Etheridge telling her story through the songs that populate her incredible rock and pop music career. Again, another one that whether it was off Broadway or now in the Broadway run, people are just kind of like loving and lapping up and not a surprise because Melissa Etheridge is one of the best musicians and storytellers through that medium that we've seen in the last few decades. So uh, I think this is great. Like, I know that there are some people that don't like things like this happening on Broadway for long runs like this. Obviously, the Jonas Brothers pop up or whatever is different. But like, there are some people who feel like there, there should be a theatrical production in every house and not uh, musicians coming in with this or or um, uh, or Bruce Springsteen, whatever. But like, I just think this is cool. It's a different type of storytelling that we don't get on Broadway often, but it kind of straddles the line between theater and concert. And and I love that. So I'm very open to things like this happening in the future, especially if they are done uh, well, like this one seems to be grace. Yeah. um, I love Melissa Etheridge. I love come to my window. Um, I, I think that the audience has been really enjoying this. Like this is how you and I have talked about like filling these theaters with, Mm -hmm. you know, once in a lifetime experiences and then, and then a show comes in. So more of this, please. That I think that you that's exactly right. I think you just hit on it. It's theaters, theaters in general, like the ER part of theaters. Theaters should be presenting once in a lifetime experiences. They should be giving audience members something that they can't get anywhere else. And yes, you can listen to Melissa Etheridge songs anywhere because of streaming and and all of those different types of things but you can't get this story you can't get the the close interaction like when she used to do stadium tours and she still probably does i don't know what her um her touring schedule is like but like circle in the square is really close like you are going to see everything up uh you know uh, really close in front of you like i think that's exactly what we should be looking for in all of those theaters so very well said All right, let's run through some of the other things that are happening this week. Also happening on Thursday night, the first off-Broadway performance of Stephen Sondheim and David Ives' Here We Are. Unbelievable that we are finally getting a new Sondheim musical. Very sad that it's happening after he has passed away. But the cast is incredible. Francois Batiste, Tracy Bennett, Bobby Cannavale, Michaela Diamond, Amber Gray, Jin Ha, Rachel Bay Jones, Dennis O'Hare, Stephen Pasquale, David Hyde Pierce, and Jeremy Shamos. Absolutely incredible group. It is inspired by two Luis Bunel films, The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie and The Exterminating Angel. We don't know much else about that uh, beyond that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the first preview and how everybody uh, reacts to it. The show is directed by two-time Tony winner and apparently your secret crush, Joe Mantello. And it is it has music direction by Alexander Gemignani. Love keeping that in the family. It is currently scheduled for a limited 15-week run at the Shed's Griffin Theater. 
very, very much looking forward to seeing that here in a couple weeks. Also happening off-Broadway this week over at the DR2 Theater will be Patrick Page's All the Devils Are Here, in which he looks at the villains of of Shakespeare. So very cool. Looking uh, forward to hearing all about that, directed by the great Simon Godwin. Then coming up over the weekend, the two shows will be closing off-Broadway. Pay the Writer will be closing off-Broadway, and Rachel Bloom, Death, Let Me Do My Show will also be closing. All right, let's move on real quick to some other show and casting and other related news. Grace, the show that you loved, Job, announced last week that it would be extending at the Soho Playhouse by one more week. You now are able to see Peter Friedman and Sidney Lemon in the show through October 15th. Last week, also, the Public Theater announced the complete cast for Mary Catherine Nagel's upcoming play, Manhattan. It is directed by Obi Winner and Public Works director Lori Woolery. The cast includes Rainbow Dickerson, Elizabeth Francis, David Kelly, Jeffrey King, Enrico Nasi, Jessica Ranville, Joe Tapper, Sheila Tausi, and Rex Young. And in other news, last week, Actors' Equity announced that they are working to unionize the production assistants that work on Broadway. PAs on Broadway, what they do is they they are part of the stage management team for Broadway shows and sit-down productions that are produced by the Broadway League. And they work from the pre-production process up through the end of rehearsals. They do literally everything of like recording the stuff that the director does and the choreographers do to like running errands and just physically setting things up. Equity is working with uh, the current PAs from about 10 productions that are currently in process, as well as 100 other PAs who have worked on Broadway in the last two years. They are hoping that the Broadway League will voluntarily recognize them. They are one of the very few groups of workers that are not unionized on Broadway. But if the League does not voluntarily recognize them, they feel very comfortable that they will overwhelmingly vote to unionize via the National Labor Relations Board election process. All right, Grace, let's dive into two feel-good recommendations. The first is one that if you're on social media, I can almost guarantee that you have seen. But it comes from Tamar Green, who is currently starring as George Washington in Hamilton. He became a father this past uh, June. And as he was preparing for a concert in Syracuse last week, he had his infant son in his hands on stage and sang... Wheels of a Dream from Ragtime, to which every theater fan in the world just immediately burst into tears watching. So it was incredible. It was gorgeous. If you haven't seen it, I, of course, will have the link in the show notes there. And then the other one is from Ingrid Michaelson. She released a track of her singing one of the one of the songs from the Broadway bound musical The Notebook. It is called If This Is Love. Grace, I'm interested what your thoughts are on this song, because I don't know a ton of Ingrid Michaelson songs like standalone. So is this something does this sound like it would be an Ingrid Michaelson song that you would hear on one of her albums? Or is this? Yes. Very, OK, that's I wasn't sure if it was like a completely different style or not. Well, the style in the show and I think Joy Wood sings it in the show, mm-hmm. if my ears are correct, when a person next to me played, perhaps an illegal audio, but, um, it's, (laughs) uh, for comparison. And I, I was so interested in, yeah, it's a very like her sounding. I, I, I'm not even sure if it's in the same key in the show, um, for, for a different singer, but, 
Um, it does very much sound in her vein. I think it's a really smart way to be like, this is the Sarah Bareilles waitress moment of the year, you know, having someone release music in their own voice, but also like acknowledging that other people will be singing that in a different context and perhaps a different key as well. I- I'm so interested in this one. I've heard nothing but great things. I've listened to some of the music. It's stunning. The way that I understand that they're telling the story here is also really riveting to me because of mm-hmm. how we all know the film and the book. But yeah, so I thought this was really smart. They put up the marquee this week. So having another tentpole moment of buzz on social is really smart, considering the show does not start previews until February. Yeah, and actually, I believe it was Kate Reinking, uh, who we talked about earlier. I think they said on social media that like this song, probably like you mentioned, it is a Joy Woods song, but it is sung multiple times throughout the show. And as we know, the notebook follows characters throughout pretty much the entirety of their life. So you actually get three different versions of the character singing this that sings it, you know, in different snippets across the entire uh, course of the musical. So, and it plays, it, it has different meaning at different times in the show. So I think that's really compelling, but I'm interested in this show, not because I have some sort of special connection to the notebook as a film or, or book, which I I've seen it. It's a great movie. But I I do, I agree with you, like just the way that they constructed the story and how they have broken up the casting is, I mean, obviously we don't know who the cast is officially for Broadway, but just like the the way they broke up the character, I think is really interesting. And it could kind of take this from being a movie to musical adaptation and kind of make it something more interesting. Not that I have a problem with those, but just kind of like make it something unique beyond what we normally see from those. So I'm, I'm very excited. And I thought this song was really, really good. All right, Grace, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can follow me pretty much anywhere at BWW Matt. Grace, where can people find you? You can find me at It's Grace Aki, and hopefully my voice will come back by next week. I think it sounds good. You got a little Demi more action going on. It's good. It works for you. Well, great. Cast me in <laughs> Hunchback 2, the Disney <laughs> film. For yeah. the ones that know, they know. Yeah. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week. We'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.